You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. All right, I'm here. Tom's here. Aaron is here. The show's presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for new windows, please call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. World Series Game 2, Wizards-Warriors, some Redskins stuff, then Adam Schefter, then Scott Van Pelt, then your favorite segment of the week, our NFL Weekly Power Poll, and maybe... Maybe an early smell test pick for tonight. Listen, I want a little bit later on in the program here. My new program. My new favorite segment of of the podcast is how long did it take Tommy to get here today? <laughs> I and it took me two hours and ten I minutes to get that. here today. And I figured out something that you could do what? in the until we figured this out. Okay, when I'm on the podcast and Tuesday doesn't count because it's election day, so light traffic will be light from from eight o'clock on. I want you to listen to WTOP for the entire time. Every time they do a traffic thing, I want you to listen to it. Can I just tune I want in for you traffic to, and weather I, on the nines? I, I want you to hear the words, 270 is a wall, over and over again. You know, I came down here and did not put one tire on 270 the entire time from Frederick. I took ways, and it made me. It had me make 30 turns. What was the time today? Two hours and ten minutes. It, 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 Kevin, it's so bad that look what you reduced me to. I went out and I bought my the thing that I that stresses me out the most, my comfort food of all time, Entenmann's coffee cake. Boy, Entenmann's had some good stuff back in the day. I haven't had any Entenmann's stuff there, in a long there time. There are mini crumb cakes. I, I There's one I've, for you if you want one. I don't think I've ever had the, the mini crumb They're cake. They're new. They're the donuts and the chocolate chip cookies from way back. The donuts where you had the mixed pack. Where you had the all chocolate, where you had uh, sort of a, a sugar donut and a, a powdered sugar donut, and then I think there was a cinnamon donut in there as well. These 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 crumb cakes, coffee cakes, look good. Well, I I'm, think I will have one. Thanks for bringing that in. Well, that's what, how stressed out I am. Is I stopped at Safeway. <laughs> now there aren't and many I got left. Some coffee this cake. looks like a new pack. <laughs> it was a new box maybe two hours ago. Two hours and what? Ten minutes ago, and now there are only a couple of them left. So I'm glad that they were a big stress reliever. Isn't that interesting that you just said that? Because I think that's one of my bigger problems with food is when there's any sort of stress, and I don't have major, major stresses in my life, just the normal run-of-the-mill you know, father with three you know, boys who you, know, you worry about, and now this whole new venture. Yes. But it's always comfort food of course. that makes it better. Absolutely. Always comfort food. Yeah. Um, all right, I don't know what we're going to do about it. I mean, maybe you, I mean, God, you Kevin, used to love the snowstorms at 980 where they would put you up in a hotel overnight in Rockville. Maybe we have you come down here on, on Monday and Wednesday nights and we put you up in a hotel. Yeah, that's rich. <laughs> i tell you why, Kevin. You, you would do it. Oh, of course I would do it. Let's just say there better be a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow. Oh, God. I don't know if, the, I mean... <laughs> Look, there are a lot of good things happening, but there's a whole lot that we still got to figure out here. Okay. Um, 
We'll f- let's get moving. Let's I, get rolling. Let's get moving because I want to. I want to get to some things here, and then I want to bring in Adam Schefter. But just let me just say because it's now two days this week of a two-hour plus commute. This is going to be hanging over my head during the entire show, <laughs> thinking of ways because I'm I'm able to sort of multitask most of the time. Thinking of ways that we can make this better for you. I think the the easiest answer is we've got to figure out how to get Tommy set up at home in a little mini studio with some equipment um and you know we we just do it on skype where we're you know that's what cooley and i did for two and a half years your favorite person we just we were on skype most of the time well i'm banned from skype i don't know if you know that <laughs> why what were you doing on skype well, i didn't know you were supposed to have your clothes on when oh, you used yeah, skype that, that, the first that. time i used it all right World's... i thought it was a different kind of uh, uh service get to wizards warriors let's touch on the, the world series last night i'm sure you watched it i watched a lot of it david price who coming into this postseason couldn't win a postseason yeah. game, has now won two in a row, and he was great last night. Six innings of three hit, two earned run uh, pitching. Um, and that was off the series-clinching win that he pitched over Houston in the ALCS. I thought one of the more interesting moments for Nats fans was, was when Ryan Madsen <laughs> came into the game for that big spot and promptly walked in the tying run and then gave up a two-run RBI uh, single to J.D. Martinez. Yes, yes. Uh, I don't know if Nats fans feel good or bad about that. Uh, I imagine there's someone that feel, okay, now you guys know how we felt uh, with that bullpen this year. And there were others that were probably ruined, rooting for Ryan Matson. Uh, you know, Sandy Leone, the catcher for the Red Sox, is a former national right. uh, who, who once had. So I think fans tend to do that sometimes. They tend to latch on to a former player and root for him. But the three hits that the uh, Dodgers got for a road game, the last time the Dodgers got three hits on a road game in a postseason game, was Don Larson's perfect, perfect game? Really? Uh, no, it couldn't be Don Larson's. No, perfect game. come on. They played in the so same? many postseason no, no, games. You're going to tell me that they haven't was, had a three hit or less it, game? It was in that series. It was in the '56 really? series road post game or road World Series game. Maybe well, that's it. I, here's the thing, and it always makes you angry, which is why I bring it up. Um, you know, the ratings already are way down. They were for Game One. I haven't seen them for Game Two, but I, you know. Did I mention this to you on Tuesday that on Sunday morning after the National League Championship Series seventh and deciding game on Saturday night on SportsCenter, and this isn't your call, and I, you know, I, I, I'm not putting this on you, but it was a B block story. It was in the second after they had gone to a commercial block. None of the games were on ESPN. Why would they put it on the first block? Come on, it's the National League Championship they, Series 7th oh, and deciding game. ESPN does that all the time. I guess that's true, and the two things they led with were an ABC college football game, which was the Purdue upset of Ohio State, and the LeBron James home opener where there was a big fight with right. Chris Paul and Rajon Rondo. And I forgot to mention this yesterday. I don't think I mentioned it. Rondo's comments, and I'm digressing here for a moment, Rondo came out very strongly and said what I really felt intuitively, which is that he didn't spit on purpose. I'm not saying that he was going to come out and admit it. I don't think he did spit on purpose. But anyway, back to the World Series. Um, it, it just, I'm watching it, but it's I'm watching it, Tommy, out of tradition because it's October it's the World Series, and last night's a night where it's not in competition with anything sports-wise. I get that. I get that. And again, I was in a bar Wednesday night, every TV, 
anecdotally is on the World Series. Okay. In a bar. I, I, and what I, was the average age of the people in the bar? And the average age of the people were in the bar? Ten. Was it the early? Was it no, an this, early this, bird special this, night? This this was a pre kindergarten bar. <laughs> it was. Yeah, they were ten years what, old. What were you doing in there? <laughs> I was wooing new baseball fans. Okay, good. How's that? Again, you know, it is a measure, but less and less television ra- ratings are an accurate measure of of interest because they can't. Again, I'm looking at my phone here. And they have no idea. I haven't seen the stream numbers. They have no. This is not even streaming. I haven't seen the video. Stream they can't. Numbers. If you're watching it on a device, they can't tell. No, they can't. They, they no, can. they can't. Some of it they can. Unless they put a device on your phone or your iPad, they can't tell what you're watching. All right. I don't know how that works right now. I thought. But that they, won't I thought, stop you. I thought though. streaming video could be measured. No. Now. That no. That, that won't stop you. Okay. Streaming won't. video on TVs, yes. On devices like this. No. Okay. Uh, can we get to the Wizards Warriors? By yeah. the way, do you think any chance that the, the Dodgers go back and make it a series at home? Yeah, I do. I, I think do it's too. possible. I mean, I look, uh, my favorite World Series of all time, the 86 series, the Mets and the Red Sox. The Mets lost the first two games at Shea Stadium. Then they went and won the next two games at two out of the next three at Fenway Park. So it happens. Brought it back and won the famous game six, which got yeah. them to a seventh and deciding game. So it happens. Uh, all right. Before you just tell me all Steph Curry does is just shoot it, which was always your favorite line. All all he's doing, Kevin, is just shooting it. No, he, he does more than shoot it, Tommy. What he, is it? What is it that he does? That's well, more he's than the shoot he's it? the greatest combination of ball handling and shooting in one player ever. And in fact, if you want to put Isaiah or Pistol Pete, which is where I think you might go with that. In his category, they're not because neither one of them could shoot it like him. No one's ever shot it better from long range. I'm not talking about from three point range. I'm talking from beyond, well beyond three point range than Curry. Four of his 11 made threes last night. If you missed it, he had 51 points last night, and they in beat three the Wizards. Quarters. Yeah, they beat the Wizards 144 to 122. Um, in three quarters, he didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. He, he was 11 for 16, 69% from behind the arc, 15 of 24 overall, 62%. Also, uh, oh, by the way, 10 for 10 from the free throw line Yes, for 51 points. Um, I haven't seen all of his great shooting performances, but as I was making notes last night, one of the notes I wrote down was, I bet in terms of aggregate length of shots, made shots on threes, mm-hmm. this had to be one of the all-time greats because they were all from, I mean, half of them, it seemed to me, were from 30 feet and beyond. They weren't near the three-point right. line. And as it turned out, ESPN had the number this morning. Four of his three-pointers were from beyond 30 feet, which was the most ever for him. The aggregate length, and they went and did this, of his three-point shots, 337 feet, which for him was the second best of his career. I would assume that his first best is the best of all time. No one's ever shot it from this range consistently. Not Reggie Miller, not Ray Allen, not anybody. Okay, here's what's fair, Kevin. It's different eras, and I'll tell you why. There's the pre-three-point era, and there's the post-three-point era. Steph Curry. Well, we've been in the post three point era Steph, now for decades. I know that, okay. but Steph Curry looked over at a, at the guy who who was a pretty good shooter at some point. Steve Kerr uh, and, and uh, other guys as well. I mean, 
What would Rick Barry do if there was a three-point shot when Rick Barry played? What would he have done? Not this. How do you know? Because I remember Rick Barry playing. Rick Barry was a good, really good shooter. He was a really good offensive player. I think it, I think the better comparison is what Reggie Miller, somebody with the quick release, with the with the deep range, would have done in an era where shooting 35-foot threes was acceptable to a coach, where you actually, in transition, it was okay to pull up from 38 feet and fire a three. Reggie Miller played in an era where they were, he shot, and you know, you, they were starting to shoot more threes, not like now, but not from this range. Not from this range. Kevin, you are dismissing the guy who beat your team in five games, averaged 40 points a game when it was a two-point shot in the NBA Finals. <laughs> he didn't average 40 in those NBA Finals Pretty in 1970. Sure he uh, no, he didn't. I don't think he averaged 40. You know what's interesting, though? That was on. Have you watched any of the NBA love story thing on ESPN? I have not you watched will any love of it. it. Yet. And they did a whole thing on the Warriors Bullet 75 well, you series. Shouldn't and they the call fact it, that they call Rick it Barry could could do. They call what it the Seth greatest upset in the NBA Finals history. Oh, like of course it was 5 games and the and the Well, it's 4 games. They won in 4 straight. 4 straight. That's right. Yeah, they won in 4 straight, straight. Yeah. when the when the Bullets were prohibitive favorites. favorites and most thought they would take Golden State out yes. in 4 games. So I, I just don't see how you could just dismiss Rick Barry. Look, I, it, I'm sure that some of these players had they played. I said today, one. I said Rick Barry. I'm I talking about one player. I I I know you're talking about. And one I player. think he could do what Curry does. Does one of the reasons Curry's able to do what he does, though, Tommy, is because he's one of the greatest ball handlers of all time, too. No, he's just got a great. I mean, I, I get that, but you know, back then, as long as you have the release. You can make that shot nah, quick. I, Curry, okay, look, you, comparing of what somebody would do in an era without a three-point shot when the goal was to get as close to the rim as possible on every possession Except not when five-man offenses. I, I understand there were some really good shooters. Larry Bird was a phenomenal long-range shooter. Um, but, but back to Curry for a moment because last night um, Steve Kerr, who you mentioned, his coach, and Steve Kerr was a hell of a shooter and a hell of a long-range shooter, and would have been one of those guys because he had a super quick release even at his size, that if shooting 30-foot threes was acceptable back then, would have been a really good long, long-range three-point shooter. But he said after the game, he said, look, this is now a situation where when he comes down and he pulls up from 40 feet, which he did late, as a coach, you're sitting there and you're thinking, that's not a bad shot attempt <laughs> from 38 to 40 feet. It is Unbelievable. His quick release has always been what I thought would be the separator with him coming out of Davidson. When you and I were doing a show and I said, I love Curry because he's got one of those super quick releases. Never. I would have never guessed this. But his his combination of ball handling and shooting in one body is the best that I've ever seen. I've always said that Isaiah might have been close, but Isaiah is not the shooter. No. Nowhere near the shooter. Curry is. I mean, good God, this guy last night had... Two twenty-plus point quarters. I know. Actually, at twenty in, in in the fourth quarter, in the third quarter, twenty-three in the first. It was an unbelievable display. One of the best ever for him. It really was. I'll tell you why. I will admit that he's changed the game more than anybody in the last few decades. Anybody. Yeah, he's he has changed the game. And the problem is, not everybody can shoot like Curry. 
but now everybody tries. Everybody tries, and and look, I see it. I, you know, I've seen it at the youth level for the last several years. I mean, I had teams, you know, uh, young AAU travel teams where we weren't very athletic and we didn't have a lot of size, and there were games where we had you know twenty five, th- you know, three point attempts in a game with a running clock, you know, which was a lot. And you see it everywhere where where kids do yeah, try to do this, up. and they and they're and there are great shooters out there, great young yeah, shooters out there. I know there. that, but here's but again, the problem is they don't know what to do when their shots not come flowing. I want to just say this before we get to Adam Schefter about the Wizards, because um, you know all of the box score readers, I, I like to call them, would look at the final score of one forty four one twenty two and say, "Oh, defense was terrible," and it wasn't terrible. Um, wasn't great, wasn't terrible, but that's what box score readers do. They don't know the game. They they can't tell you what's going on in a game. Um, but what hurts the Wizards more times than not defensively is their offense. It's so aggravating to watch four players stand and not move yeah. on offense. And they're all finding their three point shot on the court. Watching one player uh go ISO. Occasionally another gets involved with a ball screen. Nothing's organized offensively. They're standing around. Tommy, what it does, and this is the biggest thing that box score readers don't understand, is when you don't run good offense, then defensively you can rest. And it gives you you're fresher offensively. That's what makes Golden State's numbers defensively has made them look so good over the years. Now, they have some good defenders like Draymond Green and Klay Thompson, but Steph Curry's not a good defender. But what's made their numbers look so good is that offensively they make you work so hard that you now are worn out and you don't run nearly as good offense on the other end. The Wizards Far too much. And they're not the only team in the league that does this. There are a lot of teams that do this. It drives coaches nuts when they watch the NBA and they see four players on offense standing and not moving. And the Wizards are just too many nights, way too easy to guard. And you know, here's way too another easy problem. To guard. Here's another problem with their offense. And they've got a guy in John Wall who, if he gets the ball quick, can run the court. They they don't they don't box out. Nobody boxes out. Well, that was they the, don't get the ball quick enough off the board. They can't run the court like they that. Like well, they've had to go to small that. here early because they don't have. A, a yeah, big, but Mahimi's no. He can't box no, anybody out. No, but I want to. I want to make. I want to emphasize your point. Being undersized is not necessarily yes. an excuse for not rebounding. Right, because that's timing. That's a timing. It's, thing. Well, it's fundamental box outs and keeping people away from the offensive glass. And a lot of Curry's three pointers last night came off of second chance offensive rebounds. They're terrible at boxing. There out. were some embarrassing moments for John Wall last night, trying to go one-on-one against a set defense after Curry had done something special on the other end, and he's like, well, maybe I am maybe I can do it too, and just bad shots, bad turnovers. Look, it, it was Golden State's night. It was Steph Curry's night. The Wizards, though, there's got to be a little bit more organization offensively. You've got to make a team actually move a little bit on defense, and it'll, it'll help your defense. Um, but it was 85% iso ball last night. And they shot it okay, which is why they ended up with 122 points. They didn't run good offense. They just made some, some shots. And I think Golden State at some point said, 
Well, they're not going to score more than we're going <laughs> to score. Um, they go to Sacramento Friday night, and if you're uh, if you're a basketball fan, um, I want to see Marvin Bagley on Friday night for Sacramento because he looks good. I had a chance to see him the other night. Number two pick in the draft out of Duke. They're pretty good. Um, I want to point out, Kevin, 49 more wins till they get to 50. Yes. Still. I got it. I got gotcha. you. Harley and Aaron from Window Nation are fans and believers in this podcast, and me and Tom. We want you to trust in them if you're thinking about new windows. They're my favorite window company. I've used Window Nation multiple times. It should be your favorite window company as well. Temperatures are falling fast. Great reminder that your window, pun intended, for getting new windows installed before the holidays and snow hits is closing. Most window companies right now are experiencing 12-week lead times, not Window Nation. They'll do it in less than half the time and save you half the money. Call today. Get two free windows for every two you buy. Buy four, get four free. Buy six, get six free. There's no limit. There's only one thing better than free windows, free financing. And for the next two weeks, Window Nation is offering no interest for five full years. That's new windows now and no interest for 60 months. Call the window company that over 80,000 homeowners, including me, have already trusted to take advantage of this amazing offer. Right now, you'll get two windows for every two windows you buy and 0% interest for five years. Visit windownation.com, save this winter and forever on your energy bills, eliminate eliminate those nasty drafts and start enjoying all the benefits of new windows. windownation.com or call 866-90-NATION today. It's been a long time uh, for Tom and I together to have Adam Schefter on the show, but we're thrilled to have him back. It's been a while for both of us together with you. How you doing? Hello there, gentlemen. Kevin, <laughs> Tom, nice to be with you guys. Same long here. Time no speak. I know. Absolutely. You know, we, we were talking about this. I think we did that thing with you uh, once a week for yep. seven years when we did uh, we, when we did the sports fix uh, on 980. Is that, is, is that how long it was? Seven it, years? it was yeah. like six or seven years. Yeah, a long yeah. time. Yeah, it was crazy. Yes, I, I, I I, I think it's the only radio job I feel like I got fired from. <laughs> no, you didn't get fired. Uh, there, that, that was... Adam, Adam, I was the one who got fired. <laughs> yeah, there, there were uh, there were considerations made that were outside of our uh, decision making ability, and you know we would have kept you on. We we loved having you. All right, let's get to and, some. And, 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 and I will just say before we move on, there, you know, you do a lot of radio work and. Every time I did radio with you guys, I, I truly loved doing it, and it was and we always had fun. Always, yes, always Absolutely. did. All right, so let's try to have some fun now. What do you what do you think of the Redskins so far? And from the people around the league that you talk to, do you think that they are taking Washington seriously as a legitimate threat to win their division? Well, there's nobody that's jumping out in that division, and so with every team just floundering along the way, yeah, the Redskins are going to have a chance to win that division. The Giants have already basically bagged it on the season. The uh, Cowboys have not looked overly impressive, though they made a move to try to strengthen themselves by acquiring Amari Cooper. The Eagles just seem like they're struggling to recapture the magic from last year for a multitude of reasons. And the Redskins are just going about taking care of the business. It's not been overly impressive so far. What are they? Four and two, I believe, right? Yes, four and they two. Are. Four and two. I mean, I, I I think a lot of that is probably just the professionalism of Alex Smith and stepping in. I don't think it's been an overly impressive four and two, but 
Uh, they have looked tough on defense. They, they've been relatively smart on offense, despite all the injuries that they've incurred there. And there have been a ton of them. So I think if you're a Redskin fan, you got to be pretty pleased right now. All right. Um, uh, sort of a bigger picture question on them. Do you believe that this year is make or break for both or at least one of the following? Jay Gruden, Bruce Allen. I don't know how to define that. And, and I just say that every year is make or break in this league for every coach and GM. And so I know that some guys are given more of a leash and more of a benefit of a doubt than others. And, you know, those men have done it for a long time in Washington. You know, I, I don't know what would happen if, if the season all of a sudden went the other way. But, you know, what I know now is that they're four and two. And, and so I know that's the popular idea and question and to go to areas that you know, people love firing off people, but I, you know, I, that, I that, but that's not, too. yeah, that's not what I just thought. You, you, you know this team, and you know people in the yep. organization. And coming into this year, you know, with the the you know the last couple of years of quarterback drama, etc. I think a lot of people in the fan base, I think Tommy and I feel the same way, that this was for Gruden and Allen, who are pretty much tied to the hip, this was a put-up-or-shut-up season. This this needed to be a playoff season. I just I was curious as to whether or not you, you know, going into the season, felt the same way. Look, I, I think that they've had a lot of the same people in place for a while. So I, I think when they don't win, I think there, there's always people that are all of a sudden uh, – you know, going to be questioned, going to be – I think that uh, when you don't win, people are going to come under fire. And it's been the same people in place for a while, so if they don't win again, yes, there's going to be questions that are asked. I mean, that's about the best I can say on it. I wish I'd give you more. Adam, uh, they're 4-2, and two, uh, and they wouldn't be 4-2, and two, and they're not going to win if they don't have a 33-year-old running back that wasn't even on the roster – until the third Amazing. week in August. And that's Adrian Peterson. Uh, he has been their salvation offensively as they've struggled. What, when yeah. he was on the street, was there any buzz for him at all? And, and is this performance surprising? There was not much interest in him. Okay. And, and there are not many, inch, not many teams interested in 33 old running backs who basically at one point in time made a lot of money and, and, and we're used to things being done a certain way and being the focus of attention. And people saw that it didn't work out in New Orleans and it flashed in Arizona. And, and look, if Darius guys had not been injured, right. Adrian Peterson would not be there today. Right. So it, it took an injury to give him that opportunity, an injury in a desperate team to give him that opportunity. And I, I guess I would say that we should never be surprised by Adrian Peterson because he's such a physical marvel and such a physical freak. But I think any time that a guy is 33, plays the way that he does, as physically as he does, and, and looks the way he has this season, yeah, I think that would be a mild surprise. Mild surprise. We shouldn't be, but yes, I would say it's a mild surprise. Yeah, and come December, if he's still doing it, then it would be an even greater surprise. Uh, you know, ab- absolutely. You know, we talk. So you don't believe that he's. Gonna, you don't believe he's going to do it all year long. Well, I, I look. Logic tells me he won't, but he he's a freak. Like you said, he's a different kind of guy. He yeah, may he be is. he may be the one guy who in December can still for, force his body to get on that field and and carry the ball twenty games a game. So I'm not ruling I'm, I'm not counting him out at this point. Uh, among the other competitors in, in the division, you know, we just went through and we talked about the Eagles. Everyone expects the Eagles to make some kind of move 
before the trade mm-hmm. deadline because it's this what they did last year. Uh, what's your expectation? I, I believe that they'll make a move too. I just think that that's who the Philadelphia Eagles are. That's what they do. And as soon as they lost last week, uh, when they played the Carolina Panthers and blew that lead when the defense went into a prevent defense and got soft at the end of the game, you know, I, I just said to myself, they're not going to hold back because they already are an ultra-aggressive football team. And so when you mix in another bad loss like that, I, I just think that they won't be able to help themselves, and I, and I expect that they make a move uh, by the tread deadline. What do you? What move do you think they'll make? I mean, I, I you know we've read about you know some of the cornerback options, and even yesterday I saw something potentially about Deshaun Jackson. What kind of move do you think they'll make? I think that they want to add a playmaker, whether that's at wide receiver or running back or cornerback, or it, it just depends on who's available, what they decide to do. Uh, teams that lose this weekend, like you know. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they called the Giants and say, you know, can we get Janoris Jenkins from you? Um, and, and, you know, an idea like that would be unthinkable, but the way the Giants are shedding players, I mean, anything's possible, I guess. So um, we'll see. But I, I don't know who they're going to go to get, but I could be comfortable and confident in saying that they're definitely going to be active in trying to get somebody, if not somebody's, in there. Uh, we've had you on the show enough over the years to know that uh, I'm now very much expecting Philadelphia to make a move before the trade deadline, um, which is interesting to, to watch that. By the way, why do you think that the trade deadline here in the last couple of years has now become like this exciting trade deadline? Yeah. Um you know, it never used to be this this way, but last year I think we had Garoppolo at the trade deadline. This year, you know, the two giants that have already been dealt, Cooper, Carlos Hyde, et cetera. Why, why has that changed? Well, last year you had Kelvin Benjamin traded from Carolina Buffalo, Marcel Darius traded from Buffalo to Jacksonville, Jay Jai traded from Miami to Philadelphia, Jimmy Garoppolo traded from New England to Houston, Dwayne Brown traded from Houston to Seattle. Those are five trades that I can think of off the top of my head that came down in the last week. And you almost had, by the way, the A.J. McCarron trade of him going to Cleveland. Right. So that, that's five and a half trades. And this year, we've already seen Carlos Hyde from Cleveland to Jacksonville, Amari Cooper from Oakland to Dallas, Eli Apple from Giants to Saints and Damon Harrison from Giants to Lions. So that's four trades already, and the trade deadline's Tuesday, 4 o'clock. I think that we've got this new breed of young, aggressive general managers and front office executives in the NFL that, that isn't afraid to be bold and take dramatic steps, unlike uh, some front offices of, say, 10, 20 years ago. And I think that They've seen the success that the Patriots have had doing it. The Eagles have had doing it. Some of the most successful teams in the league have been very active in trading. Uh, the Rams were active in trading during the offseason. Look where they are. The Chiefs were active in trading. Look where they are. So you can't say that it doesn't work when it seems like some of the best teams are the most aggressive teams. And so the stigma that was attached to making moves, the fear of making trades, is seem to sort of evaporate and it's created a little bit of a fancy football world where 
trades are more regular than ever before. God, you know, you just you just made such an interesting point because as you're sitting there talking about, you know, the Rams and the Chiefs and the teams that have been active, you know, trying to acquire players and make trades. And now it's working when for all of those years when the Redskins were out there trying to outspend everybody and acquire everybody and make late trades for guys like Jason Taylor, etc., it just never worked for them, ever. In fact, it completely backfired and almost became sort of this running warning to other teams, don't do what they do, it doesn't work. Well... Maybe back in the day it didn't work, but back yeah. today it do, it does work. And, and the Redskins, uh, you know, I think back in the George Allen days had success doing it. That's but true. They did not have as much success doing it. So uh, it just depends. But I think today the league is in a state where most front offices are not afraid of making bold, dramatic steps. Uh, Adam, you mentioned the Jaguars briefly in the, in the Carlos High trade. Uh, and we've talked about the Giants a little bit and what they're doing. Which of those two teams, Jacksonville or the Giants, should or does, you think, have more quarterback regret at this point in the season? I don't think there's a tremendous amount of regret on either team. And I know there is regret amongst the fan bases, but that doesn't mean that that exists within the organization themselves. The Jaguars, you know, listen, as much as the quarterback plays struggle, they believe it's about the injuries that they've had this year the lack of a running game, when you know the running game, it doesn't support the quarterback. And even though they can't be pleased with the quarterback, I don't think that they're blaming everything on the quarterback in Jacksonville. The Giants, uh, yeah, it has not worked out anywhere close to where they had wanted or hoped or liked. But I think the fact of the matter is they feel like they landed a transcendent talent in Saquon Barkley. Uh, you can't say that any of these rookie quarterbacks so far has been so unbelievable that you would regret passing on this incredible running back. And so – you know, both teams are going to have to address that position in the short-term future sooner rather than later. But I don't think that they live with the regrets that some of their fans have today. Okay. Do you think Eli could be moved? No. Okay. First of all, Jacksonville is not interested in trading for him. That's number one. Number two, give me a team short of a team suffering an injury on Sunday that would have an interest in trading for Eli Manning. No, Jackson, team. no, Jacksonville would have been the one, and you've already expressed what Jacksonville thinks of Bortles and what they think he'll do when, say, Leonard Fournette gets back, you know, that he'll be good and, enough. And I don't think, uh, unless Eli wanted to be moved, I don't think the Giants would do that to him in the middle of a season. And I don't think he wants to be moved. I think, I think yeah. his family settled into New York. His kids are in the schools. You know, he's not looking to move on. He's not looking to go to Arizona or <laughs> – Jacksonville or right. Chicago or you I mean you come up with the Oakland and you're not looking to move. Yeah, the only thing about Jacksonville that would have made sense if they were really frustrated with Bortles is Tom Coughlin's there. And and it would have been sort of, you know, for a run here this year and next with a good team where they thought they were just a quarterback away. Um thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. Great to catch up. Uh, and and we'll talk to you soon. We'd love to do this again somewhere down the road. Tom, my pleasure. Enjoyed it. Hope everything's well. Good luck with the podcast, and we'll be in touch. Thank you, Adam. That was Adam Schefter. Uh, we used to, God, we had him on, I think it was six years in a row. Yeah. Five or six years in a row we had him on once a week, uh, year-round, too, remember? And remember, it couldn't have come at a better time. It was Most of the time it was during the Shanahan era. <laughs> yeah, so there was always some drama. It couldn't have come at a better time. You're right about that. He really had you know, a, a lot of uh, a, yeah. a close relationship with, with Mike um, during that period of time. You know, he said something you know, about this trade deadline, and, and I, I followed up on it with him. 
but it really is new. You know, the baseball tra- trade deadline's always been a big deal. The NBA yeah. trade deadline is is a big deal. I guess the hockey trade de- deadline's a big deal. And the NFL now is becoming a big deal here at the trade deadline. And, you know, the Redskins weren't a trade deadline team, but they were just, you know, it was a fantasy football kind of a thing, as we know throughout, you know, for the first real decade of Dan Snyder's ownership. The difference is, is that they always picked the wrong players, paid them too much, and when they made trades more times than not we're on the wrong side of sort of the value chart of a trade um you can acquire players in a, in a smart way you can trade for players in a smart way and i actually think and i you know i know i've said this a lot over the last you know seven or eight years now and you haven't always agreed with me but i do think that there was a discipline a financial discipline that was brought to the organization by bruce allen I do believe that. Now, that may have hurt him in various spots, i.e. the last quarterback uh, and the opportunity to sign him early but didn't want to pay. But they also really haven't done what they used. They didn't. The first decade of Snyder's ownership was fantasy football. That's not what the last seven to eight years have been. I, I know that. I think Adam's right about the nature of general managers these days. you got this new class of more aggressive uh, GMs, less conservative and there's only two words that you need to use to describe the difference between them and when the Redskins used to do this, and that's Vinny Serrata. Yes. Okay. It's they the guy actually, making. The, it's a guy making the yeah, trades. That's that was my point. Is yeah. that the Redskins overpaid and when you know for for free agency and got the wrong guys and the wrong locker room fits and they were yes. usually exiting their prime, not entering their prime. And then with virtually every trade they make made, they were completely fleeced in every deal. Like it was almost as if it was your lucky day if Vinny Serrato called you to to, to try to yes, make a trade. It was, and as bad as that was Vinny Serrato never had a day where he got a call from the league that said we're taking 36 million dollars in salary cap away from no he didn't never did no and that was a bad day for the organization and ironically enough perfect timing uh, was instigated and and pulled off by the owner of the New York Giants John Mara yes Uh, which which again I I, you know I had this argument with somebody the other day because somebody brought up the idea about Mara how he was probably the, the lead dog going after now, you. If you're a fan of the Giants, you want your owner doing that against a division rival, don't you? If you're the Redskins and you have a chance to do that against the Giants, you want your owner yeah, to do Tommy, that. Yeah, but Tommy, the circumstances were that these teams were in collusion together during that uncapped But they're, but they're year. all your business partners, and, and they 30 all, of them got it right. Well, no, they all decided They all decided together they were not going to spend yes. wildly in free agency, which yes. is what none of them did. And the Redskins, what they did is simply take advantage of selling off some of their but they were told bad not contracts. To. I don't think that that's true. No, teams I don't were told think that's not true. to. My understanding from back then is that there was this, we're not going to overly spend, but no, nobody talked about you know getting rid of a couple of bad no, contracts. No, there they, they, were, they were told not to All dump right. salaries either. Well, the Redskins certainly did take yes. advantage of that opportunity for some of their bad contracts. Uh, real quickly on Farish, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Fairfax. If you're thinking about something new, a car, a truck, an SUV, a minivan, 
please consider Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax. Go to their website, FarishCars.com. When you're done listening to this podcast, it's really easy to use. I've mentioned this here recently. Ralph Perkins runs Farish. Kevin Farish owns it. Both of them are very smart. Uh, They know what their customers want. They make it easy for you. When you go to FarishCars.com, there are three bars on the homepage. uh, New inventory, used inventory, schedule service. So you're right there, right into the new cars, the new vehicles. And by the way, easy to find their best deals too. And right now, if you're thinking about a Jeep, you know, a Grand Cherokee, a Cherokee, a Wrangler, a Renegade, you're going to save big on all Jeeps. If you're thinking about a minivan like a Chrysler Pacifica, Farish right now is offering Chrysler Pacificas for some of the best deals they've had on that vehicle all year long. If you like this show and you believe in what we're doing, if you're thinking about something new, just give Farish a shot. Ralph Perkins is in the store in Fairfax every day. They're right there in Fairfax Circle. You can ask for him. He works six and a half days out of seven. Tell them I told you that uh, I told you to go out there. And if you want to see everything they've got in stock right now, including live inventory and live pricing, just go to farishcars.com. Time to bring in Scott Van Pelt for his weekly visit with us. Uh, And I want to start with, I got a bunch of text messages um, the last 24 hours about the thing that you did on your Sports Center show with the young man from Purdue who has cancer. Um, and for those mm-hmm. that missed it, um, just tell us about it. Tell us about him. I mean, I, I obviously saw some of the game day stuff last week um, as Purdue yep. got ready for their uh, for their game Saturday night against Ohio State. But just update all of us that don't have all of the information on him and what happened with you and him on SportsCenter. Well, his name's Tyler Trent, and he's a young man that's battling bone cancer uh, for the third time. And unfortunately, at this stage, is, is in hospice care. And Tom Rinaldi did a spectacular piece on the young man. And in the piece, he uh, Tom asked him about the future. How do you see the future? And uh, and Tyler said, "Well, in the short term, I I, I see. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. You know, Purdue's going to beat Ohio State. Then, of course, they do. And Tyler was able to make it to the game. And then after the game, he was in the locker room with the team. He and the team had, had really bonded." Um, and Ryan Kerrigan following his performance on Sunday, um, where he obviously had that huge, uh, strip sack. He said that he, uh, he started his press conference talking about Tyler said he was going to send him his Jersey, which he's already done and said that he was thinking about him out there during the, uh, during the game. And Tyler and I had were connected uh, interestingly enough, Adrian Wojnarowski, our basketball insider, uh, he and I were both tweeting to the young man one night, and Adrian sent me a note and said, "Hey, I've got his number," which makes me laugh because Adrian's got everyone's number, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, he's got more he's got more sources than anybody. Anyway, um, I sent the young man a text and just told him I was I was moved by a story, and and this was this was you know month, months ago, uh, and then. After they won on, on Saturday, I got a text from Tyler saying, you know, how about my guys? And I said, it was incredible, and your story is incredible, and this and that. And he said, if you need anything from me, it would be an honor to work with you. And something about him saying that was just like this light in my head. And I sent him a text back, and I said, well, so let's work together. You know, this that's not hard. And it happened incredibly quickly. Um, we got a crew together. Uh, 
I texted with Tyler. I said, I don't want to overstate this. I don't want to burden you with anything, but I'd, I'd be thrilled to do it if you want. And then I, I asked my man Stanford Steve's behind the scenes setting this up. I, I asked if I could get in touch with his dad, and I wanted to speak with his father. And I said, listen, please, please, please tell me if, if any of this is, is overstepping and we don't want to, to intrude or anything. And I had a wonderful conversation with his father about how much his son was looking forward to doing this. And, um, and then Tyler and I had an interview last night and, and Kevin, I have been here for a long time and I'm grateful for that. And I've done a lot of things. I've had a lot of interviews with famous people and all the rest. And I can say with, with absolute certainty that nothing that we've ever done on the show has ever had this sort of reaction. Um, it was, it was emotional. I was, I was, I was terrified. You know, I'm a sap, I'm emotional. And I was convinced that I was going to not be able to do it because I, I knew I was going to tell him a story about Stuart Scott. And, and I made, you know, you get emotional. And, um, but from the minute that, that I started talking to Tyler, he just had this huge smile on his face and we laughed and we made a bet about the Maryland Purdue game. And if Purdue wins, I got a paint of pee on the side of my head. You're, yeah. And, um, and I said, well, cause he, he, you know, he, he carved a, a pee into the, into the hair on the side of his head for their game. I said, I said, look, if you can make it a pee, you can make it an M. If Maryland wins, that's what you got to do. And he said, oh, well, you got to paint a pee on the side of your head if Purdue beats, beats uh, Maryland. And so we laughed and, and, and when we got done, I just told him how much, you know, it meant to me. And, uh, and, and just, again, the reaction from people has been, um, has been remarkable because I think there's just a, you know, you connect with the courage and the, and the spirit that this young man displays. And so I'm just thrilled we did it. I'm thrilled that he mentioned to me that, that, that very specific idea, like that it would be a, a, so, it would be a dream come true to, to work with me. And so I, was and that I, just, so, so did I, he, I said, that's easy. So did he just, did he come on for sports center for the entire show and help you with the show? Was no, he, no, 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 okay. no, 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 we just, no, because again, I didn't want to, I, I, in a million years, you know, I, I didn't want to overextend or, or ask too much of, uh, of a young man who's, who's at this stage of his fight. Um, but we sent a camera crew to his home and, um, and we, we taped an interview. We probably talked for about 10 minutes and we ran, uh, we ran the majority of it on the show because as I told my producer and keep in mind, like last night there was a huge night in the NBA, like insane, the stuff that's going on and it's world series game one. And as I said to my producer, when we were doing this, I said, all right, look, we're doing this interview with Tyler and we're going to put it in the show. And everything else fits around that. We're not going to do two minutes, and, and like, because you know what I'm saying. Like, right, we're not like, going to do. Right. Look, Giannis has got a triple double. Steph Curry goes crazy. The LeBron and the Lakers get their first win. Oh, by the way, it's Game One of the World Series, and then we're going to try to squeeze it. No, no, no. We're putting his interview in, and then whatever else doesn't make it, with respect and appreciation for those guys and their talents, we'll get you another day. This spot and this space belongs to him. So that's what we did. Uh, Scott, uh, maybe I'm, I'm opening up my own insecurities with this. If I if I ask this, you but you got a lot of them. But part of the attraction, part of the connection that we're talking about, and the interest and the emotion, uh, isn't isn't there a voice in our heads that says, "Would we, how would we react in this situation if we were faced mm-hmm. with this kind of crisis? How, would we be as strong sure. as this kid?" Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm afraid I know my answer, and, and I think that's why people are so moved by him. Is that you, you? I, I, I think how, how could you, how could you exude such strength, and how could you? Ha- and, and, and I think he's 
been open as as anyone would that there have been bad days and in fact amazingly he said friday was a terrible day he was sick the entire day was spent the entire day being sick didn't think there was any way he'd make the game and then he woke up saturday and and um, said remarkably felt like he was ready to go and and i was in contact with my colleague tom Arnoldi about this um who kind of gave me the you know gave me the and, then, and I feel embarrassed, but I'm admitting this, Tom. Like, I, I didn't know if I had the strength to do it without crumbling. And, and here's this kid that's got the strength to stand up in the face of it, right? But, but Tom told me, like, his, his warmth and his wit, they'll, you'll, be, they'll, you'll see. And he was right. And, and, the, and part of the reason why I made this, you know, that wanted to make this bet is I think, I think it's important in life for anybody to have things to look forward to. But it certainly seems that the game and, and game day, and uh, I hope, uh, in some small way, our our appearance on the show have been little, small little things to look forward to, and and, and to to um, you know to continue the fight, and uh, and so that's why I mentioned the Maryland game because it seemed like a natural uh, uh, something that he and I could look forward to. But no, I, I I mean, I there's there's lots of things that make cowards of us, but I would think osteosarcoma for the third time at the age of twenty would make cowards of anybody, but uh, not him, yeah. well, that's not amazing. him, man. Well, they play Purdue. Really is. They play Purdue early at Purdue. Yeah, December sixth. December sixth, yeah, and they'll be an underdog because yep. Purdue's ranked. So a big P on I your on the side of your bald head is going to look pretty, yeah. pretty yeah. weird. But you made that. Well, I, I, you made I, the bet. I, it's coming. I mean, we'll be an underdog. That's okay. Listen, man. Well, I mean, it was, you know what? Uh, it was. Wait, it was, wait a minute, Scott. I, th- I think Kevin, in 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 support of you. Should volunteer to do the no, same thing. No, I'm not thing. doing that. I'm I think not, I think Kevin no. should put a P I'm on the side that. of his head. Uh, if, if, no, if that's the, the wins. Uh, that'd no. be the world's biggest P, Tommy. That'd be a P. <laughs> that'd be a, you know, like a billboard on the beltway. That head is, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, it takes one to okay. know one. Um, all that's right, a fact. Uh, a fact. let's talk some sports. Um, I want I, I want to actually start with college football because Purdue. You know, smoked Ohio State. I mean, that wasn't just a beating; it was a beatdown of um, forty-nine to twenty. And Ohio State took the same beating. Remember last year at Iowa, and they were still mm-hmm. right there on on sort of the precipice of being in the playoff. Um, right now, who are your four playoff teams? Right now, who who do you project will be in the playoff? Alabama, Alabama, and Clemson feel like the the, the biggest. Locks and I, and I think probably Notre Dame because I don't know who I don't know who can beat them. Uh, I don't I don't feel like there's anybody in front of them that beats them. So that really leaves that leaves one spot. And um, I who do I project? I, I mean the path for either Ohio State or Michigan is in front of them. Um, I but I don't I don't think I think Ohio State will end up beating Michigan. They'll figure it out. Um, but then I don't know if they can I don't think get in with that kind of loss again. I don't know. Uh, and I don't think that the Big 12 can get in. It feels like it'll be a second SEC team, um, but that would, but for it to be a second SEC team, it might need to be LSU beating Alabama, right? And then Alabama it's... makes, and then Alabama makes it in just because everyone knows that they're that good. But I mean, I, all, I mean, all of I these, don't know how to project right now. All of these conversations we always have this time of year since the playoffs started, but I think this year's another one of these interesting things because. Alabama's schedule is awful. And if they were to lose in Baton Rouge next weekend and not make the SEC title game, 
you know, the numbers would say if you end up with an undefeated Clemson, an undefeated Notre Dame, a one-loss LSU, and say a one-loss Michigan, the numbers would say that Alabama shouldn't be in the playoff with one loss. Now, there's a subjective, you know, a part of, of, of the evaluation, but their schedule's terrible. They haven't played anybody, and they play, they'll play one team. I mean, Auburn doesn't even look that daunting. Mississippi State can't score as good as they are, are, are defensively. So if they go to Baton Rouge and they lose, they're not going to be more likely than not even in the SEC title game. No, probably not. But I also think that if you if you have either a dish or an elaborate cable package and you've seen their <laughs> if you've seen five minutes of the play, I mean, I know, it's cra- they don't play the fourth quarter. I know. I said this on the show the last week several times. Like, I don't even watch them play. I really don't. It's boring. I, and I know they're good, but the, you know, I don't watch them play because it's twenty-eight nothing at the end of every first quarter, and there's other games that are close. And, you know, and frankly, I'm, I need to keep tabs on the games I picked in winners to see if I'm handing yeah. out, you know, candy or, or, or rocks. But the Alabama's, it's a joke how good they are. So if they were to stumble, um, I just, I don't, I think the committee would have a hard time just exercising common sense saying, are we talking about the four best teams? Because there, there can be no doubt they're one of the four best teams. Um, but but there is there also is no doubt that the, on their schedule right now, they don't have one win that you gain. That's a pretty good win. They don't have one. Not one. Not one. Okay. And, and the only chance for one is next weekend in Death Valley. Yeah. What, what I, I will Correct. I will say this. I think Michigan looks like the real deal. And they lost to Notre Dame in the opener, but to me they look like the real deal defensively and they've got a playmaker at quarterback and I I'm, I I think I told you this after after Ohio State beat Penn State that I was not a believer in Haskins that he didn't look to me like what everybody was describing and I thought they would lose. I think Michigan if they go to uh, go to Columbus, they can win. They can win the Big 10 title and they would be difficult in in a playoff as a four seed with one loss. Well, they'd be. I'd love to see them play Alabama, just because Alabama's offense has been uh, been such a juggernaut. The best that Nick Saban's had in Alabama by miles. So it'd be fun to see them against uh, against a defense like that. It'd be fun to see them against Clemson's defense. He's got four defensive linemen that are going to be well. LSU's uh, defense too. I mean, no doubt. And, and yeah, no question. Now, look, that that game, as as we know, you've been there. I've been I've been there for this game. It's it, there's it's something, man. It's there's it's a special sort of a scene down there and that it, it'll be great i mean it'll be great but um it's it's the only test that they really face before they get to atlanta presuming they survive uh, uh baton rouge you know the, the the defenses in the sec are in, in michigan and then you take bama LSU, Mississippi State, Georgia, and Florida. Those defensive teams are are entertaining to watch just play that side of the ball. And so Bama will play LSU on the road and then get more likely than not Georgia or Florida, two phenomenal defensive teams in the SEC title game. So we'll get to see them even before a playoff game against you know a Clemson or a Michigan play two really good defenses more likely than not. You have true. you have it's four true. undefeated teams in the top twenty. Uh, the fourth is number ten University of Central Florida, mm-hmm. who last year declared themselves national champions after going what twelve and zero. Yep. Is there any chance, any chance at all, that they manage to embarrass their way into the uh, tournament? I don't see how. Um, 
they don't they don't have they don't play anybody. I mean, and this is this is a, 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 a sort of a I mean a circular argument where they'll they'll point to this that or the other, but they're just when push comes to shove, you're like what are you going to be able to tell me? Like you, you beat Memphis, you know, by one, and then they went to Missouri and got beat by a hundred. Um, and granted, there's a lot involved there. Memphis is better at home. They lost their best player in the game at Missouri. Blah 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 blah. It's it, like and here's the thing: I, I, Mackenzie Milton, uh, their quarterback, and that team. I, I know they're good. Like, yeah, I, they're good. I know they're a team, but I also I also know how the how this works, and and it's going to come down to like if you're going to tell the Pac-12 champ, say Washington, you're going to tell the tell the Big 12 champ, OU or Texas, whomever it turns out to be. Like we don't have room for you, but we're going to let UCF in. Then you got a Power Five conference that's mad. Um, well, you know, all, it, listen. Is, I, look, I, you should have every right to look Texas in the eye and say you lost to Maryland, <laughs> and you're not getting in, no matter what yep. else you've done. The Texas wouldn't be I, the problem. I agree. Texas wouldn't be the issue as much as like a one-loss Michigan team if it's Alabama, Clemson, and I get that. Notre Dame. You know, that's just the, – the, but what Scott said is true. Like if, you, if you've if you watched them play going back to last year when they beat Alabama – when they beat Auburn, excuse me, in the bowl game, they are good. I know they're good. They're really good, which is why – Go ahead. But the – you still have to, you, Tommy. Your your argument in your argument, like in, in Texas's case, they lost to Maryland, and I get it. But in, at some point, you all you can't be. You have to be able to tell me what you did. And you're like, well, who'd you beat? Well, we beat Pitt, and did you see when they played Notre Dame? It was a close game. Like that. That's that's what the conversation turns into. Well, we crushed Pitt, and Pitt gave uh, gave <laughs> right. Notre Dame a good game. Oh, cool. So we're we're doing this. Well then, I'll do I'll do the Memphis thing. You beat them by one in Missouri. You beat them by twenty eight, and they're four and three. So it just they don't have anything. They got not. I mean, they got a winning streak, and that's amazing. And you and I and Kevin, we all agree they're good. Um, but are they? Are they? Their, their argument is is less about their schedule and more about the system to which they could rightly say. Then tell us what the hell we are supposed to do and and how we get in because we've done our part and we're apparently not even close so tell us what we need to do well this is the boise state argument all over again when boise state would go 12 it's, and it's the exact same thing yeah actually it's the exact it, same thing course. and it, nobody it, wants to play them and yeah. there's it's, no upside it's also very similar because if you watched boise you knew they were good too yeah. like it wasn't it, you know it, like usf like i've watched south florida they're undefeated they're nowhere near as good as ucf and they'll end up playing them Maybe well, they'll only play them once, right? Because they're in the same division of that uh, of that league. Correct. All right, real quickly, um, give me some teams you're thinking about this weekend for winners. Um, I mentioned one of them. Um, it's a rare favorite. Like, so let me get this straight: Kentucky's ranked 12th in the country, and they're catching seven from four and three. Missouri, seven point favorite. Missouri. Is. Missouri's good. Too. I think Missouri's score a zillion. I'll, I'll be on Missouri. Uh, Oklahoma State, Stanford's. Stanford Steve, who is, is, as you know, my, my partner in crime and who is the hottest game picker in the media at the moment, came in on Monday and said, you'll have Oklahoma State for your for the, for the your lungs. <laughs> and I said, you know, there's, there's probably a good chance that that could happen and that, that they, they are on the card I will be reading off of tonight. They're sure. playing Texas uh, and getting a short number at home. Um, Stanford yep. Steve, he's not just the hottest handicapper in media. He may be the hottest handicapper and better in the country. His what is his number right now? Is it twenty nine nine and one or something like that? It's something I think, ridiculous. I think he might have lost. 
29 and 10. I think he lost a total. Like, so he went, he went four and one again for like the, like the fifth week in a row. Uh, so that he's, and it's funny now because just, you know, it's all, it's all giggles and laughs and whatever, but now he's gripping. Like he's sitting there down there at the, <laughs> we sit in the same conference room at work and he's grinding and he's got a list and then he pairs the list down. And, and you know, the thing about this is, and Kevin, you, you live it when you give out picks in media, you know, you, you just want to be right because <laughs> right. you could go four and one. And this happens last week. He goes four and one. And then you got dopes telling him, oh, you know, good, good job on that UCF total. <laughs> it's like, hey, hey, you idiot! He just went four and one again. If you, if you want to, if you're mad about your eighty percent free weeks, just do me a favor and never talk to, me, never speak my name again. Take my, take my name out your mouth. Do you right know? Now. Do you know right now? And I texted um, a mutual um, acquaintance of ours late last night. The number one public side right now are the Washington Redskins as a pick against the Giants. Pick. Yeah, I remember you and I many, 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 many years ago had the Giants. Yeah, 92, 91. And I believe Tip Miller kicked a late field goal that made that a loser, which was not good for a guy that didn't have any money but met <laughs> lots of money on the Redskins. Tommy, during the Redskins' 91 brilliant Super Bowl season, they played the defending champion Giants as an undefeated team in the Meadowlands on one of those Sunday night you know, ESPN games. It was, I think, ESPN back then. And it the, was, and the Giants were favored by like four points against an undefeated Redskins team. And this is when we were first starting to grab a hold of the idea that if our man needs one side, we need to be on the side that he has. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I, big money bet against the Redskins. Now they could still, you know, the, the, I mean, I was still hopeful that if I'd lost the bet, they would win the game, which right, turned out hedge, well. It was the happiness hedge as we dubbed it back then. Um, but uh, the Giants were up 13, nothing at halftime, looked like they were cruising and then ripping hit Gary Clark twice and low Miller kicked a late field goal. Yeah, no, no, you're right. It was the Redskins were, um, the Redskins, I think, were th- two-point two favorite. favorites. Exactly. So that field goal and they killed were us. Four, they were leading 14-13, and Low Miller kicked the field goal late. Not that I remember the specifics. Of the, of <laughs> well, the I, for, I forgot the point. For I life. forgot the point spread. But <laughs> you're right because we were we were right there in the middle with the Redskins winning but not covering, which was perfect for us. Yep. Uh, okay. Yep. Uh, then they got yeah. The, Giants, Giants are the right side. I think we know that. Uh, it certainly would appear that way. All right. Thanks. Talk to you later. Thank Appreciate you, Scott. it. Yep. All right. Scott, Have a good day, boy. Scott Van Pelt, everybody. Um, let's turn this into, real quickly, um, a Redskins conversation. First of all, your your question to me when you walked in here today is, what what happens if they lose to the Giants? Like, is that a soul-crushing loss? Well, yesterday, you know, with Cooley, I sort of said, the line reeks, this is the kind of game they lose. I'm a bit concerned about the game. But at the same time, I do think there's this mix with the Giants sort of packing it in. But it's all, but, but also at the same time, Tommy, because this, this game ha- actually has me, I'm a little bit confused because Vegas is saying Giants are right. Uh, my mind, though, is saying the Giants have packed it in the Redskins can go up there and run the football and they can control the football and win this football game. Like it may be sort of an anti-trap game. But you asked a, 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 a question to me coming in. You said, what would happen if they lost? Would it be a soul-crushing loss? The answer to that is no. It I, wouldn't be. I think it would be, and here's why. And again, souls can be revived in, in one week. Uh, so they could turn around, lose to the Giants, be 4-3, turn around and beat the Falcons at home 
and be five and three after eight games. Right. You'll take that every time. So, so in that sense, it isn't in the sense that it would have been the third straight loss to a Giants team that didn't even belong on the field with you for one reason or another. Stop counting the game at the end of last year. Well, no, no, I am counting because because they played a Giants team that had won two games. And they 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 but got you, they you, got hammered. But you like to think that the Redskins were so motivated to go no, eight and eight. No, I said that's what they sold it as as yeah, an important course. game. Of course, they're all they always sell. Really? Yeah. I don't think they do. That, that was not a game I don't where hear the Redskins Jay were motivated. No, I don't hear where Jay I don't hear Jay Gruden selling games like he sold that Giants <laughs> game last year. He did sell it, and, yes, and he I'll, did. I'll grant you that. But the Redskins really over. I mean, and now wait, over let's that go back to the year month. before. When they're playing a Giants team that already well, that, made the playoffs. That was a bad loss. Okay, so when I'm pointing at this will be the, the third time ever. you have lost to a Giants team that had no business being on the field with you uh, in that game competitively. That would be soul-crushing. That would that would force everybody back into their cave. Um. So I just said to you that I'm, I'm actually sort of confused about this particular game because I think there's a lot to it. I... All of my common sense over the years tells me this is the wrong week, wrong side. Um, the Giants are going to somehow, you know, rise up and win this game, and the Redskins will be sort of in letdown mode, whatever, whatever it might be. It also could be very wet uh, in the Meadowlands with this nor'easter um, this weekend on Sunday. Uh, more on the forecast for the game tomorrow on tomorrow's show. I'll have more data on that. The, but at the same time, I think the Redskins can win this game if the Giants have sort of thrown in the towel. But then on the flip side of that, I don't think the Giants are that bad. Like well, I've, Look, if they I've, played I've, the Falcons tough on Monday Night Football. I know. I've watched them enough. You know, the Philadelphia game got away from them early because of the turnovers. The Carolina game, it took a 63-yard field goal to beat them. The Atlanta game, they, they the Giants don't suck. The issue is whether or not they have packed it in for the year at one and six. I would think they would look at Sunday's game and say, this is a division game that can get us to two and six. We've got a bye week, and then we come back with like I think they came I was looking at this the other day. It's like the 49ers and the Buccaneers, and they've got they got some games in the second half of the schedule. Included in that group are a lot of division games where they could feel, you know, at least in their mind right now, glass half full, they could make some sort of run. They don't stink. They have talent. I know. But to, all but that said. All that said, let me answer your question. It's not soul crushing because of what happened last week. What happened last week was a really a get out of jail free card to go with a win. That was a massive win for this organization to beat that arch rival that had beaten them four straight times. They hadn't beaten them at home in years since 2012. The 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 exciting finish to it. I think most fans now recognize that follow the NFL recognize that this is sort of a trap situation for them on Sunday. But I think they could bounce back the following week against a tough offensive opponent um, and get to five and three. I get that. But if you beat the Giants, then you'll have the this whole group of fans that have been hiding in their cave with a team that's five and two now come out and say, oh, wow, the sun's out. Let's stay outside for a while. If they lose to a team that, again, the third straight embarrassing loss – to this team. Two out of three. 
Third straight embarrassing loss. No. It was an embarrassing. No, that wasn't. wasn't an embarrassing <laughs> loss. No, it wasn't. It's a season. They had they had a, they had no business losing to that Giants oh, team. Come on, That's Tom. a definition it's a season of season ending game where both teams are out of it. Nobody gives a crap and they lost and an they lost. ugly game. Yeah, they did. They lost. And they lost. That's an and embarrassing you know loss. They were counting down the minutes to get the hell out of the metal. And so were the Giants. Okay, fine. So and the Redskins you, couldn't compete with you, them. You made my point. Both teams couldn't have cared right. less about and, the And when game. you lose an embarrassing game like that, it's it embarrassing. embarrassing. 2016, the season finale on or January 1, 2017, was a horrible loss. That was a firing. Horrible loss. That was a firing offense loss. Yeah. Last year was an embarrassing loss. This would be the third straight embarrassing loss. Redskins fans would turn around, go back in their caves, and they wouldn't particularly care if you beat Atlanta <laughs> the next week because they figure you're going to lose the week after that. You know, the Gi- so it would be a soul-crushing loss. The giant game that they won on Thanksgiving night was not a pretty win. Remember, that was the first game without Chris Thompson. Yeah. And it really – the New Orleans game last year, Tommy, ended the competitive portion of their 2017 season. They they had too many players lost, and then their best player offensively, the guy that was really their MVP, goes out. He's with a season-ending injury, and the rest of the way, the only games they won were an ugly win over the Giants, and then they beat Brock Osweiler and uh, and and who was the other quarterback they faced? Osweiler, Denver, and Arizona, and they beat Arizona when they had um, uh, what's his face at quarterback who was terrible. Uh, who was Arizona's quarterback in that? Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> they beat Blaine Gabbert and Brock Osweiler in back-to-back weeks. They gave up on the season last year. It's I not as it's it not. Is, it's a soul-crushing it, loss. However, it's 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 a it's a tough loss because of the missed opportunity to win, be five and two, and have everybody come out of their homes and say, "Look, it's sunny." Yes. Well, I'm telling you, you better get the sunglasses because they're going to win this game. They're going to win this game. I understand. Look, I've seen teams after they've had this, after they've traded a couple of players, mm-hmm. all for one game that following those deals are energized. It's a strange phenomenon. So I just because the Giants have made these trades, I wouldn't count out their motivation because because that that could be they they could all of a sudden look at the the enemy and say the enemy's the front office. We're going to show them. We're going to show them that we're better than what they think we are because they're going to stop trading us then maybe. So I think that's possible. On the other hand, I think the Redskins will win because the Redskins stopped Christian McCaffrey one week. They stopped Ezekiel Elliott one week. They're going to stop Saquon Barkley this week, and then the Giants have nothing. I'll tell you what. If you're if you're the Giants, I agree with you that more likely than not you're going to get the Giants best, not necessarily because of the reasons that you said. I just think that they played well Monday night, and they haven't played poorly recently. The Philadelphia game just got away from them early, but they played well against Carolina uh, on the road. They play, played well against Atlanta on the road, and I think that they look at Sunday as it. Like if somehow they can pull off a win over the Redskins, they're looking at a second half of the schedule where they have the Redskins again, they've got the Cowboys again, they've got the Eagles again, they have teams like San Francisco, Indianapolis, and Tennessee on the schedule, Tampa at home, and they're probably looking at a division where they have all these division games left saying, you know what, maybe if we had a 6-2 and two second half of the season, 
and won all those division games and finished 8-8, eight and eight, we might win the division this year. <laughs> so I think that there's never – I think players look at the standings and look at the math. I do. I, Cooley's told me that they – Gibbs used to roll it out for them. Oh, I know you they know, do, do, but I, I think And so be... Sunday's their season. Like, I think you'll get their best shot. At the, on the flip I side – I think you're dismissing the, the, the front office effect. Teams do it all the time. They look at the front office and they say, okay, screw you guys. You guys don't think we're good enough? You're going to start dumping us? We'll show okay. you. Okay, what, whatever it is, all the time. they were motivated Monday night. They actually played at times a good game. The problem is they, no matter their motivation, even if they come out and they really play this game to win it, their offensive line is the worst yeah. in the NFL by miles, and the Redskins' strength right now yes. on their team is their defensive line. I mean, line. they're going to win that battle. So I, I, so one last thought on the, on this game, and a lot more tomorrow, obviously, but it would be an impressive win for the Redskins because of everything we've talked about. It's it's proving or disproving the letdown trap game theory, which good teams do. Good teams go in when sharp people understand that this is a trap set up for the Redskins, yes. and they go in and they knock out the opponent anyway. It would be a great sign to win this game to be 5-2. Well, and two. They don't and, have a knockout punch in them offensively. Okay, the Redskins don't have that kind of knockout punch. They're going to win. They're going to beat the Giants because they'll stop the only thing the Giants can pretty much do, and that's the, that's their running back in, in, out of the short pass game and the running game. And they might win maybe 23-13 to 13 or something like that. But the Redskins I don't care not, how they win Sunday. A win not, in the Meadowlands Sunday okay. again, in so this situation win. would be a, a very good win. I think they'll win, very but it's win. not going to be a knockout win. All right, let's get to the NFL power poll for the oh, week. Oh, my favorite part. Rank them one to five. It's time for our weekly NFL Power Poll. All right, I'm going to go first because you're, you know, you're in your phone trying to figure out what your Power Poll is going to be for the try- week. I'm trying to figure out how to get out of doing this. I've got a fifth place tie. And I'll bet you I know one of the teams. Go ahead. The Chargers. Yes. <laughs> uh, number five is a tie for me between the Ravens and the Chargers. I'm still a believer in the Ravens. They... They lost to the Saints, but I've got the Saints high up in this power poll. Um, they they actually, you know, were handling them through three quarters. Drew Brees got hot. They stayed aggressive. There's a really good story. I, I'm going to try to find it um, maybe for tomorrow's show um, that I read about Sean, Sean Payton's mindset going into this game. You know, they faked a punt early. They used Taysom Hill in, in a couple of fourth down spots. He just thought the, the, the way to beat the Ravens on the road was just to err on the side of being crazy aggressive and that you had to be crazy aggressive offensively um, because if not, you'd be sitting there punting and stuck on seven points. And he was aggressive. They took the lead 24-17 and amazingly Justin Tucker after Flacco drove him down the field 81 yards in five plays, missed an extra point for the first time in you his know, career. My wife even asked me about that, and she doesn't pay attention to football. <laughs> about Tucker's said, missed extra she point? She said, who was the guy from Baltimore who missed the kick? Yeah. And I explained to her that he did something that he's never done. Right. I mean, that's what made it big. There's a really good shot of him um, Fox had just his eyes are glazed over at, on the field after it goes past the upright and uh, one of the outside blockers is a tight end. He's walking off the field, and he's like, he can't. Like, it's so incredible. Yes. Like, they're preparing on the sidelines for overtime. Yeah. Uh, I still like the Ravens a lot. I like the Chargers, e- even though 
boy, it just wouldn't be nice to see the Chargers healthy. Somebody um, tweeted me yesterday, and they said, your consistent love for Phillip Rivers and the Chargers and Matt Stafford and the Lions is just out of control. It's never worked for you. And I go, nope. But, nope, it hasn't. Well, but I can promise you this. If it's not the Redskins in the Super Bowl this year, I'd love to see a Chargers-Lions Super Bowl. Look, I'm with you on the Chargers and Phillip Rivers. I, I mean, he could be a quarterback He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Hall anytime. of Fame quarterback. My number four um, are the Chiefs. Three, the Saints. I do think the Saints would beat the Chiefs head-to-head. Um, but, man, the Chiefs are so good offensively. Yeah. And what they did to Cincinnati Sunday night, a pretty decent defensive team, uh, was really impressive. I've got the Patriots 2 and the Rams 1. Well, you know, I, would, I, I should go back and check my contract with you because I didn't know we could have ties. Oh, it's on, in the contract. It's, well, it, yeah, I mean, it must be small really print, small print. Small print, and maybe you can't read that small print. Well, with, my new, with my new laser eyes, I certainly can. <laughs> Read the small print, buddy. Probably better than you. Can't wait till you get your ear tubes cleaned out. I got that cleaned out yesterday. Oh, no wonder you're talking so loud yes. now. Because you can hear, hear us. Yes, I got those cleaned out yesterday. And I can hear the ocean everywhere I go. It's great. <laughs> it's a nice calming noise. Uh, right, okay, so I'm going to go for the tie at number five between the Chargers, uh, the team that you love, and uh, the Vikings. The, the quarterback that you love, that we both love. I love Kirk Cousins, too. I'm not... I mean, I'm not out there as much as you are, but, I mean, I think he's a terrific quarterback and it's going to lead that team to the NFC title game again. Uh, I'm going to put the Saints at number four, uh, the Patriots at number three, the Chiefs at number two, but this is from ESPN, and this will make Redskins fans feel better. Quarterback Kendall Fuller, according to NFL Next Gen Stats, yeah. Fuller is allowing nine yards per target right. when he is, he is the nearest defender, 10th amongst most cornerbacks who have been targeted at least 30 times. So Kendall Fuller is stinking up the joint. I know. Let me just say, let me just say this about DBs in a new defensive system especially when they're young. It's going to take time, all right? He's not he, you know, he, he's a guy that can play both positions. He's in a new defensive system. Kendall Fuller's got a lot of talent. He'll end up being a good player in Kansas City. Okay, so let's he's remember. Having not, let's, he's having, has, having a bad start, though. So let's remember that, Redskins fans. I'm the one who tried to make you feel better about the trade, and Kevin just pulled the rug out I just, from under you. Well, what, what I'm saying to you is I think if Kendall Fuller were here this year, playing here this year, uh-huh. he'd be having a very good season. Okay, but he's not, is he? Because he's in a new place in a new system. <laughs> so I guess that's what's wrong with Alex Smith, huh? New place, new system. I think, I think there's some truth to that. I think there's some truth to that. I think okay. it'll get better with Alex Smith. I've so, said that. So you think his footwork would, would, will be better? I, I, I think he's going to get more comfortable. He's not comfortable yet. Cooley said it yesterday. He's just not comfortable he's with not pressure comfortable. in particular. I know that, but but I don't think that's that's something that all of a sudden descends on you in your 13th year of the NFL unless all of a sudden you've decided your mortality counts or something. <laughs> <laughs> you, so you've got, you've got the, the Rams at one. Chiefs two, Rams one. The Rams at one. The, you know, the Chiefs and the Rams play on Monday night, November 19th. I mean, there's some incredible Chief games the second half of the season. They have the Rams on a Monday night on November 19th. They've got the Ravens in December. They have another game with the Chargers. Uh the, the, the Chiefs have all of a sudden this year become like one of these wildly popular teams. That game Sunday night got flexed into the Sunday night. 
spot. They also had a game against the Cardinals, I think, flexed or to the other network because the other network wanted a shot at having the Chiefs on their air. Fox. And, and again, it shows you the remarkable uh, economic nature of the NFL that's sometimes so bizarre. Kansas City doesn't have an NBA team. They don't have an NHL team. But yet, among the NFL, the Chiefs are a premier franchise of the yeah, league. Yeah, and they always have with a, yes. with a very you know league-renowned, you know, U.S. sports-renowned fan base. Yes. Um, the other teams, just to keep an eye on, I mentioned this on yesterday's show. I think Houston's a dangerous team. I think they're going to win that division and be a very difficult team when we get to January. I think the Lions are good. I know Watson's I, not going to last at quarterback. He's getting hit too much. I know. I always say this about the Lions. I like the Lions. The fact that they just traded for Damon Harrison. They're making a run for it. Um, and I also think that the Jets, and I know they got they got completely pounded by Minnesota. It's because they turned it over a bunch. They actually probably played Kirk, and Buffalo did, Kirk in the Minnesota offense better than anybody. I think the Jets are a good team. I, I – I wouldn't want to have to have a game against the Jets, you know, in late November or December with sort of my playoff future on the line. I think they're good and I think they're well coached. I know they turned it over in with a young quarterback, but they're getting better. They're really good on defense. Uh, all right. I want to finish up with a couple of things. Number one, um, I don't have a smell test for tonight. But there is a college game that I would give a lean to. I would definitely lean Georgia Tech tonight in Blacksburg against Virginia Tech catching three, three and a half. I think Georgia Tech uh, can win that game. Um, and there is some sharp action, very sharp money on Georgia Tech. And the public money is primarily on Virginia Tech. Uh, it was close to a smell test pick, but didn't qualify completely with, with some of the things that I consider. Um, I also like Houston tonight, uh, but that's not a smell test pack pick. It's a the, terrible Thursday night game. Uh, except you get a chance to see one of the best defensive teams in the NFL I right get now that, but, in the Texans. But Deshaun Watson's taking a beating. He's not going to make it to December if he keeps getting hit like this. Well, it'd be great if he didn't make it to the game here in Washington, which is yeah. next month. Yeah. Because they come in. You know, the Redskins have this stretch after the Giant game on Sunday Falcons at home, very good offensively, really good on offense, maybe getting healthier on defense too. I wouldn't count them out of, of a playoff run. The Buccaneers on the road, they can really move the football. Um, and then the Texans come in with that defense and Deshaun Watson. They have weapons too. I mentioned this about Houston. I mean, I've always liked Lamar Miller, and DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best three receivers in the game. And then you get the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, and in then Dallas. the Eagles – uh, the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, Dallas, and then the yeah. Eagles on a Monday night after yeah. a long... The Eagles, they have twice within a, a couple of weeks. Yeah, you almost get that second bye week to a certain extent playing the Thanksgiving Day game against the Cowboys. I mean, this clearly for the Redskins, although in this division, right now at 4-2, and two, it's almost impossible now for them to get to, to the month of December and not be in it. Well, yeah. They're going to I mean, be it had to it. be a collapse. And I don't, and, I don't expect and, that. And here's the, the great thing about... If you're limited to just a good defense, 
you're always going to probably be close. And you're going to tr- and you'll play well on the road with be- with better defense. Yeah. I'm still not sold that the Redskins are match that the Redskins defense sort of matches their statistical number of number 5 I think overall in yards allowed average per game um or even, you know, some yards per play numbers. I don't think it's that high, but it's so much improved. And they are a good run-stopping team and and what's, and what's helping them are it's is they're winning the field position battle. Yep. So the defense is playing against teams pinned in their own territory. You're learning. Don't do that to me. <laughs> Don't do that to you me. You should have seen the look I just got. You're learning. Uh, look, this podcast is presented by Window Nation. Tell people uh, about the podcast. Go to Window Nation uh, too, 866-90-NATION and windownation.com. Tell people about the podcast. And if they don't do podcasts, just tell them the KevinSheehanShow.com on the internet. All right, and rate us if you don't mind on iTunes and other places that you can rate us and review us. It helps a lot. Yeah, give the reviews. It does help a lot. It, it's very important, and I can't fathom how it wouldn't be a great review. I uh, just want to remind everybody, you could hear me on 106.7 The Fan Saturday mornings with Andy Poland uh, and with Chad Dukes, typically Wednesday afternoons. Uh, I was on Tuesday afternoon this week. And you could read my columns in Washington Times, WashingtonTimes.com. All right. Uh, thanks to Aaron. Thanks to all of you. Thanks, Tommy. You don't have to drive back now. You actually. Uh, you I'm get gonna, Georgetown uh, tonight. No, 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 no. We're not. There's no class tonight. I'm going you gave to. Give the kids a, a night off? Yes. I'm going to a dinner, a cigar dinner by the University Club of D.C. Oh, you club. All right. Yes. Enjoy that. Yes. So I'll, I'll be that's, doing that's that. your kind of crowd. Absolutely. Yes. Me and the U <laughs> club people. <laughs> all right. Uh, have a great day, everybody.